Hi, Frontline listeners. I'm Rainey Aronson, executive producer of Frontline, and I'm excited to share something different and new with you, our first ever multi-part investigative podcast series. It's called I'm Not a Monster. We made the show with our partners at BBC Sounds and BBC Panorama. I'm Not a Monster is a 10-part series that tells the story of an American family's journey from Indiana to the heart of the self-declared ISIS caliphate and back. Over the next week, we're dropping the first few episodes of the story here. To listen to the rest of the series, subscribe to I'm Not a Monster wherever you get your podcasts. I hope you enjoy episode one of I'm Not a Monster. Your video visit is about to begin. Notice, this video call may be monitored and recorded. It may be shared with law enforcement and may be used as evidence in a criminal or civil proceeding. Hey. Hey, Sam. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. I mean, I, I have a lot of questions, uh, as I'm sure you can imagine. Okay, you know what? I forgot something. Hold on just a second, okay? I'm really sorry. I just forgot something. That's okay. Wait, just one. That's a hell of a moment to run away. I'm so sorry. That's all right. You good? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I wanted to ask you, you've spent years saying that you are innocent of of everything right you've just taken a plea deal and by doing this you've admitted that you are you're guilty of terrorism right well um sam sally is talking to me from jail in indiana she's just struck a deal to avoid going on trial pleading guilty to financing terrorism and she's admitted helping her husband and brother-in-law join ISIS. Have you read the plea agreement? Yeah, but please continue. Okay, Okay. it states that I'm guilty of um, supporting my husband. Um, It states specifically that my husband and his brother were ISIS members or wanted to be ISIS members. Um, But it separated me enough from that, I believe, that I could deal with that. Do you understand? Yeah, but it also says that basically you sort of willingly helped them. Why did you take this deal? Because a trial would be absolutely the worst thing that could happen to me and my family. And why were you so afraid of a trial? I'm not afraid of the trial. I, I... I'm afraid of what it would do to my family. I'm afraid of what it would do to me. I'm afraid of what it would do to my kids. I'm afraid of doing any more damage than we've already done. But do you accept that the choices you made put your children through some of the worst experiences you could imagine for a child to have for years? I accept that I, I was unable to make the decisions to protect them better. Sam spent the last few years telling me she was tricked by her husband into going to Syria with her young children. And now, overnight, she's completely changed her story. That means you knowingly 
provided support for ISIS who have committed some of the worst atrocities we've seen in in decades and you've supported that you're putting me in a really difficult spot here <laughs> um listen if i don't admit to exactly what they're saying in that plea agreement they will take the plea agreement back away from me okay so yes i i knew i knew it I've worked on a lot of stories about ISIS, and this is unique. An American mom who was raised as a Jehovah's Witness ended up at the heart of the ISIS caliphate in Syria. Her husband became an ISIS sniper. Her 10-year-old son was forced to threaten the US president in a propaganda video that was shown around the world. Then she came back. So what happened? Figuring it out has taken me from a torture prison in Syria to an elk hunt in Idaho. I've met ISIS fighters, people who'd been enslaved by the group, FBI agents and Sam's friends and family. They all give very different accounts of what happened and who Sam really is. Who is she? She's an amazing, dear, incredible friend. Do you think Sam would ever willingly choose to join ISIS? Absolutely not. Why would she put her children in that position? Why would she support something that would put other people at risk? That's not Sam. Sam uses everything that she has in her ability to get what she wants. Like what? Her personality, her looks, her intelligence. She's caring, thoughtful, loving. She's the strongest woman I've ever met. I believe Sam ended up with ISIS because she wanted the notoriety for being with ISIS. Um, I don't feel like I need to explain myself, really, um, to anybody. I'm not a bad person. I'm not a monster. I'm Josh Baker, and from BBC Panorama and Frontline PBS, this is I'm Not a Monster. Episode 1. I love you. I miss you. Before we go any further, there are some descriptions of violence and some upsetting moments involving children in this episode. Let me tell you how I first came to this story. It starts in Iraq, in November 2016. ISIS's so-called caliphate is under attack. It's been an effective summer for Iraqi forces. The battle to retake Mosul from ISIS is going more quickly than expected. Iraqi forces are saying it's going much faster than planned. I'm there filming with Iraqi special forces. They're trying to retake the city of Mosul from the Islamic State group. They've smuggled me into the city, hidden amongst ammunition boxes. The fighting's intense. There are ISIS snipers, suicide car bombs, and even drones rigged with grenades. Civilians are trapped inside a battle that's street to street and house to house. We're in an armoured car pulling back from one of the forward positions. The roads are literally littered with debris, with cars. Uh, So we have to be very careful how we move because it's a perfect place for an ambush. It's going to be a long night. That evening, a local man gives us a place to sleep. 
It's a surreal moment because inside there's this feeling of warmth and safety. But outside you can still hear the explosions and the shooting. In one corner of the room, a chain-smoking soldiers who've drunk enough coffee to kill a small horse. They've been up fighting for days. In another is my colleague. He sat there with his phone watching a David Attenborough documentary. The snake's eyes are very good, but they can detect movement. He's sitting in the middle of a war zone, looking at an iguana, desperately trying to outpace a group of hungry racer snakes. So if the hatchling keeps its nerve, it may just avoid detection. I drift off and get a surprisingly good night's sleep. Until I'm woken by the sound of gunfire. Only this time, it's closer. I get up and head to the front of the house. The soldiers are right outside, shooting at this truck, this massive truck. It's too big to get around the corner at the top of the street, so it's reversing back and forth, back and forth trying to force its way through. And the soldiers keep shooting and shooting, trying to do whatever they can to stop it. But they can't. One of my colleagues starts shouting, Mufakaka, Mufakaka, car bomb, car bomb. The truck is laden with explosives, and it's coming straight towards us. I'm enveloped in this cloud of dust and shrapnel. I can feel bricks slamming into my body and my head. And then there's screaming. And then there's this really acrid smell of burning. And then there's darkness. That was the most painful X-ray I've ever had. Just, Just literally going lying on my back is very, very painful. Unlike most of the people who were there, I was able to leave and get treatment. A few months later, I'm back in London, recovering. I've got a fractured spine and shrapnel stuck in my head. That's when I get a call from an old contact, a person I've got to know through years of reporting on ISIS. We'd lost touch, but he's heard I'm injured and wants to check I'm okay. As we're chatting, he mentions an American woman and her children who are trapped with ISIS. This moment, this casual aside, is how I first learn about Sam. I want to know more, so he puts me in touch with her sister, Laurie. She suggests we meet face to face. So I head to America, to South Bend, Indiana. It's the middle of winter, and it's snowing as I drive along a road that cuts through the middle of a graveyard. I've been told to look out for an apartment complex that's styled like a medieval castle. I drive in through an arch that has fake guard platforms and then past these turrets that are dotted either side of the road. Ready? Get. Good. Drop. I find Laurie with two massive dogs. Right here. They're playing outside in front of her pickup truck. All right, guys, let's go inside. Come on, Joel. I'm making cinnamon tea. 
with jasmine and clove. I add just a little bit of chili pepper and it makes it like, it just has just a really nice bite to it. Laurie shows me into her sitting room. There are swords on the wall and a half-knitted dragon on an armchair. We were very close growing up. I mean, people always thought we were twins. We never were without each other. Laurie is Sam's younger sister. They're both in their early 30s. I had a feeling that she was in some sort of trouble, but I, I didn't know what was going on. Laurie tells me she and Sam haven't spoken in years. They had a falling out when Sam started dating a guy called Musa. She thought they'd moved to Texas. But then, on the 4th of February 2017, she got an email from her sister. Do you read some of that to me? Okay, so she starts off with, Hey, Lori, I'm so glad you're available. I really hope you can help me. I have to be forward with you because I don't have a lot of time. This could be my last time online. Almost every day, five to ten bombs are dropped around us. The shockwaves are insane. It rains shrapnel, everything from rocks to metal sheets to glass shards. The bombs feel like constant earthquake and the sound is something you cannot imagine. The sound is like the crack of a lightning bolt in your head. Musa brought me and the kids illegally to Syria. Out of all places, he chose Raqqa. So we have been living here for almost two years. I have no idea where I will end up if you don't help me. So please help me now. We are talking a matter of days, not weeks. I can't tell you enough. I love you, I miss you, I love you, I miss you. I love you, I miss you. Attached to the email is a video. Is that your new toy? Yes, it is. It's my new toy. C4, Cortex, Fuse. Nice. A child sits on a living room floor with its legs crossed. 700 of these metal balls, these steel metal balls, three kilos of TNT, dual metal plates. So what is missing? The little boy you can hear is Sam's son, Matthew. He looks nervous, frightened even. To his left, you can see a rifle that's laid out on the floor. To his right, there's a big TV showing the execution of a fighter pilot by ISIS. And at his feet are the components of a suicide bomb. Okay, look. So you've been good and you've been praying on time. You can't see the man who's telling Matthew what to do. The six-second Russian detonator. You like it? Mm-hmm. It's cool. You sure? Yeah. Well, that's actually the more powerful one. Okay. You have to put it on? Mm-hmm. All right, show me. It hurts watching this. Matthew is only nine years old. It's hard to process. I've just narrowly survived an ISIS suicide bombing myself. And now, I'm seeing a young boy who seems like he's being groomed for an attack. What do you do if uh, you hear a helicopter and American pigs come down to kidnap you and your mother? What are you going to do to them? I'm going to put my belt. I'm going to hide it under my shirt. 
I'm gonna walk out and say, come save me, come save me. My name is Matthew. I'm American. Come save me, come save me. And as soon as the helicopter comes on the, on the ground, I'm gonna pull my pen. You have to wait till they get really close, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah, as soon as the helicopter comes down. Okay. And I pull my pen, and say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. Allahu Akbar. And I open my eyes, and Jannah. Allah. And inshallah, God will accept me. How could they do this to a child? Matthew is the sweetest little boy you'll ever meet. How could they do this? Matthew and his younger sister are trapped in the ISIS caliphate. They've been there for almost two years. I hate, I hate that the kids are there experiencing all of that. They don't deserve that. They don't need to be there. And it makes me so mad that they're there instead of here, instead of playing in the park and going skating and doing art projects and playing with their friends, playing with my kids. They're at war. At the end of the email, Sam tells Laurie she's found a man who she says is a people smuggler. I gave your email to a guy who has helped a lot of foreign women in my situation. He's going to contact you immediately. I trust him with my life and my kids' lives. He knows what he is doing and he thinks now is the perfect time. Please listen to him. He is putting himself in a lot of danger. Please make him feel special so he doesn't give up on me. Thank you, Lori. Then, a message arrives. Forgive me for my English. My English is not good because I didn't learn English in the school. And don't worry, inshallah, I always become good. And I will help her, inshallah. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast, I'm Not a Monster, to get the full 10 episodes as they come out. The next episode is available right now. Search for the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can read more about our investigation at frontline.org. Thanks for listening.